for the News and Observer. I'm Dawn Bond, your host for this episode of Under the Dome for the week of Monday, May 8th, 2023. I'm here today with my politi- politics team colleagues, Luciana Perez, Uribe Ganassi, and Avi Bajpai. If you're listening to this on Monday, well, you made it through crossover and uh, life goes on this week. Not a whole lot going on at the legislature. But we all need a slight pause after the complete chaos of crossover. So we'll lead off with with what was obviously the biggest news, uh, the abortion bill. It came and went within a matter of days. And as you listen to this now, unless something happened over the weekend, uh, we're waiting on Cooper to Governor, Democratic Governor Roy Cooper to veto it, which he already said he's going to do, and then whatever's going to happen in the aftermath. So... Uh, myself, Luciana, Avi, we're all in the House and Senate chambers during a very long debate. Um, you all are relatively new to the team. Do you remember a debate being this long over any other bills? Definitely not this session, I guess. No, no way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the Senate, they were saying that it was the longest debate in, in modern history, in recent history. Um, every Democrat get a, basically using up 10 minutes of their time to to talk about the bill, but yeah, in the house as well. I mean, we were in there for, um, several, several hours, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening. Um, I don't think we got to the abortion debate until about 9 PM. So definitely, uh, uh, interesting opening, uh, crossover experience for Hilly, The house is the ones that go very, very late. I said to Senator Berger, um, can you tell the house what to do? I was making a joke, but because the Senate, even with that really long abortion debate, it still ended at the end of the government business day anyway, not for reporters, but the end of the government worker business day at about five o'clock, I guess. Yeah, but they started like 1030 a.m. So their debate was technically longer than the House's, which pushed it all the way late into the night. And I think the actual conversation on the abortion bill was maybe two, three hours I think uh, even longer, yeah, because they took the break and then came back. Oh, for in the, the, house, the house, like two yeah. hours in the Senate, I think was like five plus hours. So, well, then I was, yeah. The interesting thing about the debate is, you know, the House and the Senate have different rules, and Berger said that the Senate rules are every single senator gets to talk for ten minutes, and he probably some of them talked for probably up to thirteen minutes, and there's a little bit of back and forth mm-hmm. and debate over that, but every single Democratic senator talked. And then a few other Republicans, the bill sponsors, and then a few others. But in the House, Moore said it was going to be unlimited debate. But I think within their rules, it's about 15 minutes, maybe a person. But it didn't go as long as I thought. Because every single House Democrat could have, I mean, that would have been afraid. Yeah. Middle of the night. Yeah. I think just starting late had a lot to do with that. So like, there was 50 bills, I think, that were heard prior. So people were after at that point probably a bit tired. And then, you know, you hit the final big bill. Yeah. So it's it's crossover week. So the House Rules Committee was very busy um, yeah. uh, on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, I believe, just churning through dozens upon dozens upon dozens of bills. So we have 50 plus bills on the House calendar for Wednesday. Um, I think that's probably one of the reasons why when you start the debate by nine, I mean, um, you know, there's a there's a sort of a sense of inevitability. You know, the Republicans have the votes they need, so it's a question of when that yeah. bill gets gets to a vote and passes. I thought it was a tactical move too of the Republicans because the protesters came once they knew because you know the bill was only revealed 
uh, I mean, to reporters or according to lawmakers, what was in it, right, on late afternoon, no, Tuesday, Tuesday evening, Tuesday. right, because we are waiting for the House to finish. And so all the whole press corps and, and other visiting press are there waiting. The presser, I think, was supposed to be at 6 or and then we're all just like tap 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 hurry up yeah, yeah so <laughs> minutes late yeah yeah um, yeah the bill didn't come out until just before 11 p.m tuesday night um friday afternoon it had passed both chambers so that that is very fast um blog button yeah. fast track thursday afternoon end of day thursday at last yeah yeah sorry I know all that. That's the thing about crossover is all the days run together. It's just one long fifty thousand yeah. hour yeah. day. Absolutely. I think, so, yeah. yeah I was go to bed, wake up, you're in the same place again. I I honestly thought it was like the really late day, like the eleven o'clock day, maybe Wednesday. Yeah. I thought, Wednesday. you know, if I could just sleep here in the press room and then I wouldn't have to worry about going home <laughs> and coming back. But that's also a crazy thought. Uh, well, apparently we don't even have anything to complain about compared to what crossover used to be. Laura Leslie, who's the Capitol Bureau Chief for WREL, um, our competitor and also friend, uh, she said that past crossovers have gone like crazy late. I don't remember if it was crossover, but I feel like the last legislative session, I was in the chamber with now our D.C. correspondent, um, Danielle Battaglia, and it was past, it may have even been three in the morning, but again, it's like time stops and time can literally stop because that clock at the back of the house, Speaker Moore can stop when they have to do that parliamentary role where you like have to start the next day or stop time or something like that. So he's got some cool gadgets up there in addition to the yeah. bell and the gavel. Well, speaking of parliamentary tactics, over in the Senate, there were just so many like uh, Democrats who tried different mechanisms to slow down the bill, and all of them ultimately failed. But it was interesting to see, and you know, that was my first time covering just a bill that had so many of those maneuvers. Yes, the part the um, constitutional protest, mm -hmm. and because I, you know, we're all sitting. It's like everyone's just so tired, and the press corner in the House, and like all the visual journalists and. You know, you're listening, but you're also just exhausted. And all of a sudden, the Democrats stood up and were like, wait, what? <laughs> and because Democrats in the past have walked out of the chamber in protest, and were like, wait, is this what's happening? And everybody get the video. But then it was that um, a very governmental thing to do. Of, I'm submitting this paperwork, and we're all submitting it. And they lined up, which was to the journal. Yeah, <laughs> it was still a big deal, considering everyone's just sitting in their and their chairs for, for most of the time. And then Democratic leader Robert Reeves and Representative Julie Monhafen talked to reporters at the back of the chamber after. And I feel like by the time we talked to Speaker Moore, it was probably, I feel like 11 o'clock by then. Yeah, the tether was still far. I mean, I think um, the speed with which the bill moved through the General Assembly, um, that was really like the main sort of, uh, you know, the main theme of this mm -hmm. week. Um, for, for both sides. I mean, there were a lot of people, um, obviously that was like the number one protest by, by Democrats, just complaining that, you know, this process wasn't transparent enough. Um, the bill comes out Tuesday night, just before 11, it's in a joint rules committee at 9 a.m. And mm -hmm. then it's on the House floor a few hours later. So, um, you know, there were some lawmakers who were saying that they uh, barely, you know, really didn't even have time by the, t by the point, by the time that the rules committee met, um, they hadn't even really gone through the bill itself, 46 pages. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I think that was definitely one of one of the main sort of uh, 
components of this whole process was this this argument. You know, the Republicans basically said, you know, we spent several months um, conferring over this, debating over this, talking about it privately um, in our own in our own ranks um, in both far caucuses. They obviously have control of the GA, so I mean, uh, mm-hmm. everyone kind of knows that that's how it's gonna yeah. that's how it's gonna work. That's how it's gonna play out, but. Um, that you know doesn't really stop critics of this process, Democrats, but also just people, good government types, and people um, who have concerns about transparency in this process, from saying you know this is probably the most significant bill to come out this session, or one of the most. Well, the budget. Yeah. I just gotta plug the budget, yeah. but I mean it, the they followed the the technical process that they can, right? So it went through rules before, but it's I feel like this is a recurring theme of time to read the bill and you know reporters gripe about when they have the budget and they run the budget through multiple committees not just rules very very quickly but people it does take time to read things you know and that was what the when you put it out at 11 o'clock at night and then you have the committee in the morning you do need that that time to read something if it was even just a day longer and run through another committee then you actually have the time to 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 read through it to I think what people's reaction to it wouldn't have been any different. Yeah. You know, they're not going to like it um, today. They're not going to like it yesterday or tomorrow. Right. But they would actually have time to point out those tiny little things in there, which was raised in and the House and Senate debate. And I think probably more in the Senate, uh, especially yeah. Democratic yeah. with um, Jay Chaudhary bringing it up about these very specific line items that when you're making a law, you need to get right, right? (laughs) Otherwise you have to go back and pass another law. But even beyond abortion, just like the past two weeks, there have been so many bills rolling through that typically before a committee, I try to read them, skim them. And it would be so many that I would just potentially not get the chance to see them all. And um, I've heard that that's kind of been even faster this session than potentially other times. It's actually... A little bit better and I'll explain once we come back from a break you're listening to under the dome I'm Dawn here with Avi and Luciana we'll be right back with more about abortion crossover and our picks for headliner of the week you're listening to under the dome I'm news and observer state capitol bureau chief Dawn Bond here with my politics team colleagues Luciana Perez, Rebe Ginasi and Avi Bajpai Before the break, we were talking about the speedy process and that lack of transparency. And believe it or not, it's a little more transparent than it used to be. I've been covering this for four four some years. And one thing that came out of COVID was digital documents. And before in committee, when we're talking about the timing of reading a bill, but even if you have this whole committee process, sometimes you can be sitting in committee and then the PCS shows up which is proposed committee substitute. And it wasn't on anything online. It was on a printed paper copy that the sergeants at arms had or the lawmakers had. And so the reporters in the room were like, wait, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, I have a PCS for this. And there was no um, online dashboard for rules. You just had to wait until usually after the committee and go ask someone for it or pick it up off the floor or whatever. And so being literally, I like, of course, the Hamilton phrase in the room where it happens. <laughs> if you're not in the room where it happens, you didn't get it. Now, eventually it would be updated on the bill page online later. But by that, you could have written a bunch of stories. Yeah, you you could have interviewed stories. people. Yeah. And so that's one thing that happened during um, 
even though the legislature was in person most of the pandemic, at some point, because some people were using WebEx or some of the committees were, they started um, having it available digitally sooner. And so that's actually better, even though it's still not great. Even the streaming, like I know when there's lots of committees going on, sometimes you have to catch like a little portion online, which helps a lot. So there was no house streaming. So that's a new thing. So I think this session, people are paying a lot more attention and they're because they're just watching it on their computers, but not that many. If you look at the stream on YouTube, it's like maybe a couple hundred, even for like the really big uh, debates and everything. But it wasn't on camera at all. You could hear the audio. And in the Senate, it's still only audio. But it, it's been interesting as a reporter to see that um, lawmakers know that they're on video and the way that um, the cadence in their voice changes a little bit. Like in the in the past, if you knew someone was going to want to record their debate so they can put it out with their campaign emails, listeners probably know some of the former lawmakers that might be in Congress now that have done this. Um, but there's another staff member and we still see it, you know, like comes up on the floor and, and then suddenly the way they talk is different because they're using it for something else versus if they were actually just talking to the other lawmakers. But I mean, that's politics. I saw that yesterday uh, during the Senate debate too. Um, oh yeah. Uh, Wednesday, I'm uh, sorry, Thursday, um, Senate debate. Uh, because, you know, they're obviously addressing their colleagues. They're talking, they're debating on the Senate floor, but they're talking to their constituents. They're talking to the community out there that they represent. So um, yeah, definitely a recent, uh, recent for recent development. Hmm. Uh, so there are a whole lot of other bills we haven't talked about yet. Quickly, what else do we need to let people know going into this week? So there are no House votes this week. The Senate, as of Thursday afternoon, was maybe going to do something this week as you're listening. Maybe not until Thursday. But the Senate is really busy with the next big thing, which is the budget. Uh, my favorite topic and maybe five other people. Um <laughs> And the Senate budget will come out this following week of the May 15th week. So the Senate budget writers, and, and they'll be busy this week. But it looks like the House is going to be chilling out. And sometimes that's used, I feel like, I, when I've seen what I've seen them do the past couple of years, as sort of a cooling off period after there's been a lot of contentious debate, which obviously abortion was. Yeah, yeah they had a committee scheduled yesterday right after session on the Blue Cross bill, which... Um, has been a bit contentious in that it'll change the structure of um, Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance providers. So I'm curious about when that will pop up again, but we'll see. We saw Insurance Commissioner Mike Causey yeah. in the cafeteria waiting for that committee that never happened. Yeah. I, I didn't see if he got the lemon chicken soup, but we all did. Yeah. Well, I did. Did you, Alfie? I, I, no, I wasn't there for that. No. <laughs> well, next time. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what uh, Speaker Moore was saying, that that it, they're basically waiting for the Senate to wrap up their budget process, committee process next week. So that's why they're going to take things uh, pretty slow next week. No no votes next week. Um, you know, talking about crossover and bills that didn't make it through, um, one of the big ones that I was tracking that um, was going to be a pretty another sort of uh, contentious debate that we were expecting on the House floor was um, House Bill 189. That was the the bill, uh, concealed carry bill, mm -hmm. that would have basically 
Um, then the next step in the effort by lots of different gun gun rights groups to sort of uh, loosen some of the restrictions, make it easier um, for gun owners. Um, that would have basically said, you know, right now, um, if you want to carry a concealed weapon, a concealed handgun, you have to get a permit from your sheriff's office. Um, people listening to the podcast might remember just over a month ago, we had a very similar contentious debate about repealing or changing, you know, another permit process for just buying handguns. Um, so this bill, you know, was introduced several months ago, didn't go anywhere for a long time. And then suddenly, um, uh, recently was calendared um, for some a couple of House committees mm -hmm. um, this past week, quickly made it through those committees, was scheduled to be on the floor. And then while we were waiting for the House to get through their 50 or so bills on Wednesday um, and get to the abortion bill, uh, they took a break for dinner. And right before they did that, uh, Speaker Moore took it off the calendar. Um, and because of the crossover deadline, that basically meant, you know, um, it would not make it through the House before that that yeah. pretty uh, critical deadline. And that was about the same time that um, or a little bit earlier, waiting for the House to get their business together. Um, reporters are like, well, let's see what's going on in the Senate. And it was during a gaggle where Berger said um, that it was like basically they've essentially done enough for um, gun legislation this session for now, right? So it could be just that Berger was like, you know, we don't need to add that to this week, especially because abortion sucked all the air out of the room. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, crossover is a made-up uh, deadline. And, yes, there's technical reasons why other bills can move ahead later, but there's also the fact that the people in power can just you know, shove it in um, a replacement bill later. So it's crossover, but not not really. And again, the people that make the rules get to um, get to change the rules. Yeah. So there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's go on with our picks for headliner of the week, which are obviously the biggest headliner we've already talked about. So these are a little bit different. Uh, let's start with you. Who or what is your headliner of the week? Yeah, so I'm going to take a cue from Representative Allison Dahl. She was uh, speaking on the House floor on Thursday um, after the uh, marathon session the night before. Um, and she said, uh, you know, she, she basically gave a shout out to the sergeants at arms, um, which was basically seconded or echoed by everyone else. Speaker Moore also said, you know, absolutely, we, we should recognize, um, you know, just how um, important, vital of a sort of uh, role they play. You know, she was basically talking about how it's just, it's, it's really nice to see um, when you're going through a really busy, chaotic week or other things are going on and then you sort of uh, get over to the House or the Senate and uh, the Sergeants in Arms are always there basically, um, you know, with a smile on their face and uh, yeah. helping you out. So, um, uh, you know, I, I had the same experience. Um, it's always really great to um, to run into them, talk to them, and uh, um, definitely a highlight of a very busy week. They're also some of the lowest paid people in the building. Um, the cafeteria staff, the custodians, and the sergeant-at-arms are the, the lowest paid legislative building workers, and a lot of other people in the building that, um, well, I guess sergeant-at-arms wear suits, but um, a lot of the people who have to wear suits all the time make considerably more amount of money for um, you know, they're there as long as the rest of them. So um, I'll echo your your 
shout out. And Luciani said something sad happened um, this week that you heard in committee. Yeah, so I heard in committee that one of the sergeants at arms had passed away. Um, I unfortunately did not, I don't recall the name exactly, and I don't know if I would know exactly who that was, but it was just sad to hear that because all of the ones I've crossed paths with have always offered a friendly smile, have like at this point, I think they recognize everyone in press and just are very helpful in finding seats and, you know, letting you know where you can go and all that. So um, I think it's just um, just really sad. And um, we, you know, just had a moment in recognition of his work. And from what I heard, he passed away due to cancer. So um, Luciana, we'll circle back to you for the final um, headliner. But since we were talking about appreciating people's People's work. I'm going to this week as you're listening. May 8th is Teacher and Staff Appreciation Week in a lot of schools. And I wanted to give a shout out to all of the people who work in education. Um, it's been a long few years for them. Not like we were talking about the Sergeant Arms versus the um, other people. Um, it's more than just teachers that work in a school, it's the cafeteria workers, it's the custodians the bus drivers, the principals, the admin, all the other jobs there. And I just wanted to thank them for, for all that they do in making a place for um, students across North Carolina and everywhere else to um, to go five five days a week. Yeah. So that's um, that's my headliner. Uh, Luciana, let's end on a, uh, a more festive uh, yeah. note. Uh, what's your headliner? Well, as we dive into the weekend, you know, um, it is Cinco de Mayo today, so... Um, it basically celebrates, I think, a victory over the French in a war in the 18,000s. And, um, but yeah, I know there's a tremendous amount of Mexican culture, so I don't want to oversimplify, but I will be having a margarita and, um, you know, celebrating today in some sort of way. We hope we could all eat a margarita. Yeah, I hope that <laughs> I hope everyone uh, had their margaritas and rest and everything else over the weekend as uh, we start another week in North Carolina politics, which is always um, full of unexpected everything. So, and sessions not even done yet. We still got at least what two months to go. So, all right, I'm Don Vaughn for Avi and Luciana, the News and Observer. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.